Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums specially curated to accompany your weekly Come Follow Me studies. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. This devotional address, entitled Stand Forever, was given on January 22nd of 2019 by Lawrence E. Corbridge, then a General Authority 70 of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As part of an assignment I had as a General Authority, I needed to read through a great deal of material antagonistic to the Church, the Prophet Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, and the Restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There may not be anything out there that I haven't read. Since that assignment changed, I have not returned to wallow in that mire again. Reading that material always left me with a feeling of gloom. And one day that sense of darkness inspired me to write a a partial response to all such antagonistic claims. I would like to share with you some of what I recorded that day. And although I wrote it for my own benefit, I hope it may help you as well. I wanted to give a different talk today. I wrote other talks, more entertaining, with more stories, more engaging than this one. But every time I wrote a new one, I came back and I was directed back to this one. The prophet Daniel said that in the last days shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, and that kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. The kingdom of God is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It will stand forever. The question is, will you and I stand? Will you stand forever or will you go away? And if you go, Where will you go? When the Lord described the signs of his coming and the end of the world, when he described our day, he mentioned many things, including wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, and famines, pestilences, and earthquakes, and many other signs, including this one. For in those days, this day, there shall also arise false Christs, and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if possible, they shall deceive the very elect, who are the elect according to the covenant. Now, I'm not sure of all that is implied with that qualification, if possible, they shall deceive the very elect. But I think it means at least everyone will be challenged in our day. Paul said, we see through a glass darkly. And one of the most prominent features of the vision of the tree of life is a great mist of darkness, that they who commenced in the path did lose their way and that they wandered off and were lost. There are many who deceive, and the spectrum of deception is broad. At one end, we meet those who attack the Restoration, the Prophet Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon. Next, we see those who believe in the Restoration but claim the Church is deficient and has gone astray. 
There are others who claim to believe in the restoration but are disillusioned with doctrine that conflicts with shifting attitudes of our day. There are some without authority who claim to visions and, and visitations to right the ship and guide us to a higher path and prepare the church for the end of the world. Others are deceived by false spirits. And then at the far end of the spectrum, we come to an entire universe of distractions. Never has there been a time with more information, misinformation, disinformation, more goods, gadgets, and games, more options, places to go, things to do and see, to occupy our time and attention away from the most, most important. And all of that as much is, and all of that and much more is disseminated instantaneously throughout the world through by electronic media. This is a day of deception. Truth enables us to see clearly because it is the knowledge of things as they really are, as they were and as they are to come. Knowledge is crucial to avoid deception and discern between truth and error. The prophet Joseph said, knowledge is necessary to life and godliness. Knowledge is revelation. Hear all ye brethren, he said, this grand key, knowledge is the power of God unto salvation. People say you should be true to your beliefs. And while that is true, you cannot be better than what you know. Most of us act based on our beliefs, especially what we believe to be in our own self-interest. The problem is we're sometimes wrong. Someone may believe in God and that pornography is wrong and yet still click on a site wrongly believing he'll be happier if he does or that he can't help but not click or it isn't hurting anyone else, so it isn't all that bad. He's just wrong. Someone may believe it is wrong to lie and yet lie on occasion, wrongly believing he'll be better off if the truth is not known. He's just wrong. Another may believe and even know that Jesus is the Christ and still deny him not once, but three times because of the mistaken belief that he would be better off appeasing the crowd. Peter wasn't evil. I'm not even sure that he was weak. I think he was just wrong. When you act badly, you may think you are bad when in truth you're usually mistaken. You're just wrong. The challenge is not so much closing the gap between our actions and our beliefs. The challenge is closing the gap between our beliefs and the truth. That's the challenge. So how do we close that gap? How do we avoid deception? Begin by answering the primary questions. There are primary questions and there are secondary questions. Answer the primary questions first. Not all questions are equal and not all truths are equal. The primary questions are the most important. Everything else is subordinate. There are only a few primary questions. I'll mention four of them. Is there a God who is our Father? Is Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Savior of the world? Was Joseph Smith a prophet? 
is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the kingdom of God on earth. By contrast, the secondary questions are unending. They include questions about church history, polygamy, people of African descent, women in the priesthood, how the Book of Mormon was translated, the Pearl of Great Price, DNA in the Book of Mormon, gay marriage, the different accounts of the verse, first vision, and on and on and on and on. If you answer the primary questions, the secondary questions get answered too, or they pale in significance. And you can deal with things you understand and things you don't understand, things you agree with and things you don't agree with without jumping ship altogether. How can we know the answers? There are different methods of learning, including the scientific, academic, uh, uh, analytical, and divine methods. The divine method incorporates elements of the other, other three, but ultimately trumps everything else by tapping into the powers of heaven. All four methods are necessary to know the truth. They all begin the same way, with a question. Questions are important especially the primary questions. The scientific method, we form a hypothesis framed in response to a question. Experimentation is then conducted to test the hypothesis. The results are then analyzed, conclusions are drawn that either confirm, disprove, or modify the hypothesis in which, the, in which event the process continues. Alma invites us to experiment upon his words. The Lord said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In regard to tithing, he said, prove me now herewith. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Truth can be discovered by doing, which is faith. Experience plays a vital role in coming to know the truth. In the analytical method, that method is also important. It involves gathering, organizing, and weighing the evidence relevant to a question. Based on the weight of the evidence, conclusions are drawn as to what the truth may be. The Lord instructed Oliver Cowdery, saying, Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed I would give it unto you when you took no thought, save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your own mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. Evidence and reason also play a role in preparing us to know the truth. The academic method involves, of course, study of the written word. Study as well is essential. Mormon said the word of God has a more powerful effect upon the minds of the people, how we think, than the sword, which might be the very fear or threat of death, or for that matter, anything else. This is more powerful than anything else. It's more powerful than fear, addiction, pornography, or anything else. 
It stands to reason, therefore, that the Lord would say, treasure up in your minds continually the words of life. And whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. The divine method incorporates the elements of the other methodologies, but ultimately trumps everything else because it taps into the powers of heaven. Ultimately, the things of God are made known by the Spirit of God, which is usually a still, small voice. The Lord said, God shall give unto you knowledge by his Holy Spirit, yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul taught the men only know the things of men, and that the things of God are known by no man except by the Spirit of God. He said, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. We see that every day. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Of all the problems you encounter in this life, there is one that towers above them all and is the least understood. The worst of all human conditions in this life is not poverty, sickness, loneliness, abuse, or war, as awful as those conditions are. The worst of all human conditions is the most common, and it is to die. It is to die spiritually. It is to be separated from the presence and power of God. That's the worst. Conversely, the best of all human conditions in this life is not wealth, fame, prestige, good health, the honors of men, security, or dare I say it, even good grades. As wonderful as some of those things are, the best of all human conditions is to be endowed with heavenly power. It is to be born again, to have the gift and companionship of the Holy Ghost, which is the source of knowledge, revelation, strength, clarity, love, joy, peace, hope, faith, and almost every other good thing. Jesus said, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, shall teach you all things. It is the power by which we may know the truth of all things. It will show us all things we should do. It is the fountain of living water that springs up unto eternal life. Although the voice of the Spirit is usually a still, small voice, it is nevertheless ever sure, penetrating, pervasive, edifying, and sustaining, so much so that the Lord said, And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world neither in the world to come. Pay whatever price you must pay. Bear whatever burden you must bear. Make whatever sacrifice you must make in order to get and keep in your life the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost. Everything depends on that. So what was the gloom I felt several years ago while reading antagonistic material.
Some would say that gloom is the product of belief bias, which is the propensity to pick and choose only those things that accord with our assumptions and belief. The thought that everything one has believed and taught may be wrong, particularly with nothing better to take, it, take its place, is a gloomy and disturbing thought indeed. But the gloom I experienced as I listened to the dark choir of voices raised against the Prophet Joseph Smith and the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ, that gloom that came as I waded chest deep through the swamp of the secondary questions is different. That gloom is not belief bias, and it is not the fear of being in, in air. It is the absence of the Spirit of God. That's what it is. It is the condition of man when left unto himself. It is the gloom of darkness and the stupor of thought. The Lord said, and that which doth not edify is not of God and is darkness. That which is of God is light. And he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light, and that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Revelation from the Spirit of God supersedes belief bias because it is not premised only on evidence. I have spent a lifetime seeking to hear and follow the word of the Lord. And the, and the spirit associated with the dark voices that assailed the prophet Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, and the Restoration are not the spirit of light and truth. They are not the spirit of God. I don't know much, but I do know the voice of the Lord. And his voice is not in that dark choir not at all in that choir. In stark, in stark contrast to the gloom and sickening stupor of thought that pervades the swamp of doubt is the spirit of light, intelligence, peace, and truth that attends the events and the glorious doctrine of the restoration, especially the scriptures revealed to the world through the prophet Joseph Smith. Just read them. And ask yourself and ask God if these are the words of deceit, delusion, or truth. There are some who are afraid the church may not be true and spend their time and attention slogging through the swamp of the secondary questions. They mistakenly try to learn the truth by process of elimination, by eliminating every doubt. That is always a bad idea. It will never work. That approach only works in the game of Clue. <laughs> Life, however, is not nearly as simple. There are unlimited claims and opinions leveled against the church and the truth. Each time you track down an answer to any one antagonistic claim and look up, there is another one staring you in the face.
I'm not saying you have to put your head in the sand, but I am saying you can spend a lifetime desperately tracking down the answer to every claim leveled against the church and never come to a knowledge of the most important truths. Answers to the primary questions do not come by answering the secondary questions. There are answers to the secondary questions, but you cannot prove a positive by disproving every negative. You cannot prove the church is true by disproving every claim made against it. That will never work. It is a flawed strategy. Ultimately, there has to be affirmative proof. And with the things of God, affirmative proof finally and surely comes by revelation through the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost. To his disciples, Jesus asked, whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but thy Father which, are, which is in heaven. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of Jesus Christ is grounded on the rock of revelation, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are the church. You and I are the church. We must be grounded on the rock of revelation. And although we may not know the answer to every question, we must know the answers to the primary questions. And if so, the gates of hell shall not prevail against us and we will stand forever. Finally, Believe. Believe that with God all things are possible. We may all be taken back from time to time by the extraordinary, such as walking on water, multiplying bread and fish, raising the dead, translating gold plates with special lenses or a stone and a hat, and the visitation of angels. Some people are hard-pressed to believe extraordinary things. While it is understandable that we may be challenged by the extraordinary, we shouldn't be because ordinary things are actually more phenomenal. The most phenomenal occurrences of all time and eternity, the most amazing wonders, the most astounding developments are the most common and widely recognized. They include I am, you are, we are, and all that we perceive exists as well. From subatomic particles to the farthest reaches of the cosmos and everything in between, including all of the wonders of life. Is there anything greater than those ordinary realities? No, nothing else even comes close. You can't begin to imagine, much less describe anything greater than what already is. In light of what is, nothing else should surprise us. It should be easy to believe 
that with God all things are possible. The healing of the withered, withered hand is not nearly as amazing as the existence of the hand in the first place. If it exists, it follows, it can certainly be fixed if it is broken. The greater event is not in its healing, but in its creation. More phenomenal than resurrection is birth. The greater wonder is not that life having once existed could come again, but that it ever exists at all. More amazing than the dead be raised is that we live at all. A silent heart that beats again is not nearly as amazing as the heart that beats within your breast right now. That one could see on a stone or, or through a special lens, the modern translation of ancient texts written on plates of gold is far less amazing than the human eye. The wonder is not what the human eye may see, rather that it sees anything at all. How can you believe in extraordinary things such as angels and gold plates and your divine potential easy? Just look around and believe. I don't know if pigs will ever sprout wings and fly, but if they do, flying pigs will never be nearly as amazing as the ordinary pig in the first place. I heard someone say recently, it's okay to have doubts. I wonder about that. The Lord said, look unto me in every thought. Doubt not. Fear not. I have a lot of questions. I don't have any doubts. There is a God in heaven who is our eternal Father. I know that by my experience, all of my experience. I know that by the evidence, and the evidence is overwhelming. I know it by study, and most surely I know it by the Spirit and power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Redeemer of the world. I know that by my experience, all of it. I know it by the evidence, and the evidence is overwhelming. I know it by study, and most surely I know it by the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost. Joseph Smith was a prophet of God who laid the foundation for the restoration of the kingdom of God. I know that by my experience, all of my experience. I know it by the evidence, and the evidence is overwhelming. I know it by study, and most surely I know it by the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the kingdom of God on earth. I know that by my experience, all of it. I know it by the evidence, and the evidence is overwhelming. I know it by study, and most surely I know it by the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost. And with that, I know everything I need to know to stand forever. May we stand on the rock of revelation, particularly in regard to the primary questions, and if so, we will stand forever and never go away. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. 
please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.